to that song, and this is how they go. It says, all those nights when you've got no lights, the check is in the mail. And your little angel hung the cat up by its tail. And your third fiancé didn't show. Um, Roll out of bed, Mr. Coffee's dead, the morning's looking bright. And your shrink ran off to Europe and didn't even write. And your husband wants to be a girl. Be glad there's one place in the world where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Well, the idea is that a bar does that best. And if I were to ask all of you in here, I bet there would be some that would argue with me that the church doesn't do that better than the bar. The bar does it better. And if I tried to make the case, you'd argue with me that, well, listen, the church judges people. It hurts people. And I'll grant you that people have bad experiences at church. But let me ask you this. Don't people have bad experiences in bars too? That doesn't seem to keep them from going. Besides, bars don't inspire people to worship or teach the word of God. Bars don't preach the gospel or disciple or give over $11 billion for missions a year. Bars don't send out a half a million people in short-term trips every year for missions. Perhaps it's because a church is a spiritual entity. That there is a kind of natural antagonism toward the church that I think every person possesses in the flesh. It, It doesn't come natural to open ourselves up. In authentic community. But my experience, and I think Janet can say the same, our best unity love that we've experienced has been in small groups with the people of God. I'd like to make that case this morning. So just hang with me and consider some things, all right? A friend this past week made this statement, and it seems to typify us today. He said this. We use social media to show highlight reels of our lives, but we live life in bloopers. I like that. I mean, when you put a picture on your wall at your home or or in the hallway, we usually don't put the pictures where our eyes are shut or the sun was directly in the camera, right? I mean, we, we, we put up pictures that usually make us look good. When we post pictures on Facebook and Instagram, we check them out and we compare them with us. We want to make sure that those are good pictures of us. Take, for example, these pictures. Okay? Now, notice we are smiling in one. Okay? And by the way, when I'm smart, I will always include my wife with pictures of me because it always makes me look better. All right? All right? Now, I love these photos, but how real do they depict our life, all right? Uh, The place that we live does not have snow-capped mountains. The place that we live does not look anything like that. We spent about two hours at that place. The other 8,760 hours 
of a year. We spend mostly near the West Bypass, where we have a picturesque view of the Super Walmarts, okay? (laughs) Near a used car lot and near a place that sells trailer homes. That's reality in our life. And guess what? I don't have pictures of those places up on Facebook or Instagram. Notice Janet and I are kissing in two of the pictures. Would you believe that that is all we do? Okay. (laughs) It is a giant kissing fest at the short home. I can hardly get any work done. Honey, stay off of me, all right? I'm all for kissing. And I would say there's not enough, okay, for sure. But the point is, real life also includes cleaning the house. Real life is me wearing an old pair of shorts, of course, with the elastic band, a ratty T-shirt that, by the way, cuts down on the kissing when Janet sees me in that. All right. Okay. Real life is a messy garage. Real life is sometimes conflict. Now, we typically don't post pictures of each other right after there was a disagreement or a conflict. Such things do not make one very photogenic. Take, for instance, my driver's license. Not very flattering, all right? Don't laugh if you looked at yours lately, okay? (laughs) How many of you have your driver's license photo on Instagram or Facebook? Never. Why not? Because we project the highlights, not the bloopers. Now, here's a picture of some of my grandkids at Andy's. This has nothing to do with the sermon. I just want to show you my grandkids, all right? All right, we'll move on to the next one. Here is another picture. You won't find me posting this anywhere either. Real life is I love going to cardinal games with my friends, but there is something missing in this picture, and I don't mean to be crass or or bawdy, but face it, I need a bra in this picture, okay? All right. No amount of sucking in my gut helps. In fact, that created more of a need for a man bro. All right? That is reality. Man bro is reality. We live in reality. We project something else. You know what? None of us need help in creating an image. We need help in living in reality. It comes natural to be in denial. In fact, it started in the Garden of Eden. When sin entered the garden, what did Adam and Eve do? They tried to hide from God. In fact, they had to cover each other up. Now, I'm convinced they were probably in their 20s when that happened, where they placed the fig leaves, because if he was 50, he would have a man bro, all right, Adam, but that's not in the text. We have been perfecting ways to avoid reality ever since. Denial comes easy. We need reminders to live in reality. We need friends to help us share the load, do we not? We all need help in living in reality. A friend in a small group, 
sees that you're down, puts his or her arm around you and says, hey, seriously, what's going on? They're helping you with reality. When there are others around us who we can trust, and I'm not suggesting you spill everything about yourself to the entire church, but others around us who we can trust and we feel safe with, and we take the responsibility to share our lives with them, it's at that point that we have authentic community. And of course, we have to take it one step further. We need to take the leap and be deliberate to enter into that kind of relationship. And have our lives to be, to be open with those people, that small group that we can trust. And life groups are a great way to be lived in reality with others, right? No need for denial. No need for a dress code, all right? Check this out in Ephesians. It, it, it speaks to that authenticity that, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, Not only tell the truth about God, tell the truth about yourself with your neighbor. For we are members of one another. We are in this together. And truth ought to mark the way that we relate to one another. That's authenticity. Be angry. Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Do not give an opportunity to the devil. Isn't that interesting? That when we live in denial, that's where Satan begins to do his work. But when things are in the light, there's a lot less that he has to go with. Because we are being honest with ourselves and to others. I know we can give a million excuses, we Christians can, about why we don't get involved with authentic community. And much of the excuses, it's funny, isn't it? How we, how we try to pose, how we, it almost looks noble that I'm deliberately avoiding community. You know, the church isn't what it should be. Right? And I just can't find one that meets my needs. Uh, The translation of that is, no one can meet my standards. Or, uh, I'm just interested in authenticity and not any hypocrisy. So I'm not going to waste my time. Translation, I'm the most honest person I know. Here's another one. I'm just not fed at all. Doesn't do anything for me. Translation, I know my needs better than God. And I don't need what he prescribes. See, when we put these attitudes in another perspective, and I'm not saying those are the only reasons that people don't go to a small group. I'm talking about deliberately not entering into authentic community. All right? Listen to what that sounds like when you put it in another venue. It's like, you know, I don't think... Since I'm not married, okay, I'm not going to go to the trouble of getting married because I'm just too awesome and nobody's worthy of my presence. Doesn't that sound a tad arrogant? Okay. Yeah. A little brash. Again, I know there are other excuses. I'm not saying everybody fits in that. But when you deliberately choose not to be an authentic community, not only have we grossly overestimated our own, port- uh, own importance, but we have grossly miscalculated the importance of others in our lives when we deliberately refuse authentic community. Whatever the excuse we use to not be involved in the lives of others, know that we can gain something when we choose to take that step, take that risk, because it's what God has directed for us as Christians. 
we trust God about coming out of our comfort zone. I mean, why else would I be willing to take the risk? Because there has been hurt. Hurt, okay? How many have ever been in a marriage where there's never been hurt? I don't know of one. Of course there's hurt. That's a part of being in the marriage. In fact, that's one of the ways that the, that the roots can grow deep. Authentic community is not only a biblical goal, but I think it has benefits that cannot be seen all the time. That we, in fact, we may not even understand it. Such was the case with Ananias. Now, that name uh, is, is a popular name throughout the New Testament. We're going to read about an Ananias in Acts 9. There was also an Ananias with Sapphira. Remember those guys that... Uh, Saw an early death, and there was an Ananias who was a, a high priest. This is not that Ananias, a different guy. But, but we read this story about Ananias. Let's check it out. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. I love that response. I'm available. Here I am, Lord. Uh, and the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And now, notice this is Saul, not Paul. This is early conversion of Saul. And you remember, Saul was doing what? Killing Christians. All right? And Ananias knows this. Uh, And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him. So that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he uh, he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed, entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and he was baptized. Ananias had a fear of doing what God had asked him to do, to enter into authentic community with Saul. Why? Because he knew Saul's background. He knew that Saul had murdered Christians. I mean, that's a real fear. Can't minimize that. And and even though Saul had had a conversion experience, Ananias isn't quite so sure. It's like, God, what, what are you thinking? It's a little too risky. I mean, I've got a lot to lose here. You know, like my head, if he's still in a murder mode. And God had to speak to Ananias twice to get him to go to Saul. And I paraphrase verse 15. I have chosen Saul. He's going to do a good work for the kingdom. And listen, Saul needs you now, Ananias. He needs you. And Ananias went to Saul. And the passage says Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was strengthened. Why? Because another brother took the risk to get involved. Another brother entered into genuine community. And others were strengthened. Another brother 
took the responsibility, listen, to do what God had told him to do. He did not sit off in the corner because somebody wasn't meeting his needs. He trusted God to do something with his willingness. And God did. That's cool. And it strikes me that some of us have been discouraged. I get that. You've been in church experiences where it's like, you know what? I'm just not going to do that again. You can't be involved in the church for 10 minutes and not be hurt because it's people, right? It's just part of the gig. It doesn't define all there is, though. I was talking with somebody after the first service, and I said, you know what? 85% of what we do is just, I love it. The other 15%, not so much. But that's just real life, is it not? Now, your percentages may be different. But the point is, is that we cannot expect that when we involve ourselves in community, that every experience is going to have some kind of supernatural buzz. This expression of just elation. Because real life doesn't always have those experiences. Now, when Janet and I went to Alaska this summer... There were a multitude of highlights. One was going, flying in a float plane off a lake and then touring around the mountains, snow-capped mountains and viewing the tundra. Spectacular, all right? Uh, Another experience, though, and this one I would have to say was tops, was going kayaking. Uh, The lake was still and the scene was absolutely majestic with these snow-capped mountains Understand, though, that I was ecstatic just to get to the lake because we had to walk through a bunch of woods. And I was, you know, thinking, okay, we got here without a bear getting us, so that's a positive thing, all right? And, And honestly, of all the vacations we have taken, and we've had some good ones, that experience of kayaking on that lake, for some reason, it's like, that's a 10. That's a 10. That was, that was unbelievable. But let me ask you this. Is it reasonable to expect that all of our vacation experiences are going to equal or top kayaking in Alaska on a mountainous lake? No, that's not reality. Should I then therefore take the attitude that I'm never going to go on a vacation again because I can't have that singular experience again? Of course not. Life does not have a steady stream of those kind of highs. But our experiences, listen, are no less meaningful. I can enjoy the highs. I can enjoy those great experiences, and I do. I mean, when I, getting back to vacation, if I vacation with my wife, I could enjoy just two or three days in Kansas City. Nothing like Alaska. I'm not dogging Kansas City. I really like the city. But it's not Alaska. But I still enjoy it. It's no less meaningful. Why? I can appreciate it because of who I'm with. And life is made up of of mundane, everyday events. But doing life with people, listen, that we love, it gives life greater purpose, greater depth, and enjoyment. Because we realize it's those relationships that trump the events. It's those relationships that trump the geography. I enjoy the places. 
And I enjoy some of those events. But relationships fill up the empty spaces. They fill our hearts. I mean, if I look at Sunday church as a means to to trump my last experience or get a buzz and not focus on who it is I am worshiping and enjoying his presence and, and, and trying to get my agenda through my pleasure, I miss the point completely. If I go to small groups as a way to provide me with an experience that trumps the last one, you know, that's just filled with fun, I miss the point. I I view life group as a venue for digging deep with others. And I can appreciate the highs and I can appreciate the lows. I can appreciate the conflicts. I can value the hard times because the relationships Sustain. God's feeding my heart in the midst of that. And I realize he's not only using me, he's using others in the process as well. Isn't it interesting what we call supernatural? Check out Acts 2. It says this. And they devoted themselves, this is about the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. There's a lot of supernatural going on there, and let me deposit something. Not to take away from any of the signs and wonders. God can do that anytime he wants. But devotion, to being, being devoted to one another, sharing things in common, Meeting needs of one another, breaking bread in homes, glad and generous hearts, praising God. That is authentic community. That is what a life group ought to be. And those are signs of God working. And that is supernatural. And you know what happens as a result? He adds to their number. Jesus' very prayer for the church. He said that others are going to know that you sent me when they see the love that my disciples have for one another. That's the best evangelism we got right there as we live in authentic community. Let's pray.